Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. You know, we love doing this show for you every single week, but doing the show is not free. So if you enjoy the show, we ask maybe uh, consider helping us out a bit and supporting it. You can do that by becoming an EPP at realghoststoriesonline.com. EPP means extra podcast person. You get an extra podcast for your support of the show. Every single week, we send you a brand new one. And you get access to our past archive of EPP episodes as well. Right now, that's more than 15 bonus episodes along with the weekly episode that you'll be getting every single week for only five bucks a month. If you like the show, help keep us on the air. And become an EPP at realghoststoriesonline.com today. And thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Today, a family experiences terrifying nightmares in their Kansas City apartment, but what they learn later about a past tenant suddenly explains the dreams. A mysterious lady appears to wake a listener and help her discover the truth about the man in her life. A father reveals to his daughter that he denied activities she had experienced for many years in order to keep her from being scared. And while tending to her newborn, a listener shares her terror when she finds a stranger in bed who vanishes. Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hello. Hello. Well, these sound spooky. They are. They're pretty good. They sound like tales of ghosts. Yes. Which is what we do here on this program. Uh, Stranger in bed. That would be creepy. Yeah, it's a pretty good one. All right, I'm looking forward to that one. The phone number is 855-853-4802 if you'd like to share your real ghost story with us. Of course, of course, you can also uh, write in on the website at Real Ghost Stories Online and share your real ghost story with us that way. So all sorts of ways to uh, contribute and uh, enjoy the program. Let's kick off the show today uh, with a letter that comes into us. It's hello, Jenny. I hope all is well with you and Tony. I enjoy the podcast and thought that I would share an experience that my wife and I had about 10 years ago. At the time, we lived on the north end of downtown Kansas City, known as the River Market. This area has storied and at times violent history. Have you been to the River Market? Yeah. Is that the uh, where that, that museum is with uh-huh. the, the boat? I believe so. Oh, that's a neat little marketplace. It is. Yeah, there's all sorts of fun stuff there. Okay. We lived on the fourth story of an old garment building. I had the habit of uh, taking the fire escape up to our up to our door with groceries, where my wife would leave the door propped open. One night, upon entering the apartment, her five-year-old daughter said to me, "Stop it, Papa! You're creeping me out." To which I replied, "Stop what?" Being the jokester I am, she didn't believe me and insisted that I was making a knocking sound. When denying it, I heard the sound myself and immediately set upon trying to find where the sound was coming from. The knocking continued at random intervals, and the closer I thought I was to finding its origin, it would suddenly appear to be coming from some other location. After a long time, I decided it was coming from our bedroom closet. Our loft had 20-foot ceilings. So many of the walls, including the closet walls, were partitions that didn't rise to the full height of the ceiling. I slid open the closet doors, and while I entered, I realized the sound was coming from the exterior wall. 
a wall that's about two feet thick brick and concrete. However, the rapping sound distinctly sounded like a hand on wood. I walked across the length of the bedroom, slid open the window, and looked outside, to which, not surprising, I found nothing. The night wore on, as did the tapping, but we chalked it up to something we couldn't explain, possibly a loose pipe somewhere. We got our daughter to sleep and then settled in for the night ourselves. At about 3 a.m., we awoke to hear the rapping sound happening again. Eventually, it tapered off and we got ourselves back to sleep. This pattern continued for a couple of weeks. At one point, we decided to inquire at the rental office if there had been any complaint about unexplained noises or happenings in the apartment before us. They said no. We let it go. Again, the pattern of being woken up at 3 a.m. continued until one night we awoke to not the no- not the knocking sound, but a huge crash or boom. My wife and I were bolted upright, sitting on our pallet on the floor, which is simple blankets and sheets, which is what we slept on at the time. Both knowing, without a doubt, that the noise came from the closet, I leapt to investigate. As I opened the closet doors, I noticed that the left-hand bracket supporting the shelving unit, a unit which had a solitary box on the right side uh, only, had been pushed through the drywall, and the shelf fell. I went to check on our daughter, whom I was sure was awoken by the loud noise passing through the living and dining areas. They were serene and ethereal, with a distinct mist. I poked my head into our daughter's room and found the world's lightest sleeper sound asleep. I made my way back to the bedroom and tried to soothe my wife's nerves. Eventually, we both fell asleep. Sometime later, I awoke to my wife screaming, bone-chilling screams. As I was waking up, I was already jumping on her to hold her down as I was aware that she was convulsing wildly. I was yelling her name into her ear and it took every ounce of my strength to hold her still. As she came to, I began to sit back into a kneeling position and I felt the sensation of our blankets moving across the carpeted floor. I made a beeline for the light switch, turned it on so I could see what I felt was visually happening. To my dismay and horror, the entire pallet had moved three to five feet across the floor. Oddly enough, the sheets and blankets weren't disturbed in any way, nor did they look like they were pulled from any corner or side. They were in the same position, just three to five feet to the left of where they should be. I checked on our daughter once again. Again, to my surprise, she was sound asleep. Came back into the bedroom, asked my wife what dream, what her dream was about, but she was too distraught by the nightmare to discuss it at that time. I took it upon myself to not tell my wife about the bed moving, knowing that any more upset would mean more loss of sleep. I did my best again to console my wife. We eventually did fall back asleep and slept until morning. In the daylight, my wife felt more comfortable telling me about her nightmare. A dream of torture, being bound with barbed wire and duct tape and shoved into a trash bag. Later, we read in the local newspaper a story in which a woman that had lived in the apartment directly beneath ours had found in her boyfriend's aban- was, had been found in her boyfriend's abandoned jeep. She was found in just such a fashion, bound with duct tape and left in a trash bag with barbed wire. A couple years later, recounting this story to friends with my wife in earshot, I failed to omit the part about the pallet sliding. My wife, hearing this for the first time, was very upset. So much for trying to spare her feelings. Thank you for making a forum for all these amazing and interesting accounts from around the world.
Matthew. Why do you think a ghost comes back and tries to make you experience what they went through? Kind of like the wife having the dream of being in the trash bag mm-hmm. bound with the barbed wire. I don't I mean, I've heard of that happening when there's um, like an unsolved crime. Sure. Of some sort. I mean, it sounds like they determined it was the boyfriend's Jeep and this other, you know, it sounded somewhat detailed and that they could connect the dots of what happened. But I wonder if there was more to the story than just that. And she was trying to communicate that in the dream. I don't know. You know, maybe there was more people involved and it was just pointed at the boyfriend. I don't know. But I'm. that would be my guess is that there's something else to do with that crime that has not been discovered and that's the purpose that sounds good I mean I just I thought it was interesting because they did find the woman I thought Mm -hmm. it would be a whole different story if they said you know the woman downstairs disappeared Mm -hmm. and they never found her and then three weeks later they found her in a trash bag and Uh yeah yeah, something like that yeah I don't know I mean it's, it's interesting um you know, I, I don't know if there's any other purpose for coming back and trying to make someone else experience that other than trying to get a message of some something across. I don't know. I don't know or the woman trying to just let them know that she's still there and identify, hey, this is me. How can I let them know it's me in, in the most unique way possible? I know. I'll make them experience my death. Yeah. That would really identify who it was. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, that's one heck of a name tag. Exactly. Uh, 855-853-4802 is a phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. If, you've been already, if you have not already done so, please press subscribe on whatever platform it is you listen to us on. That way you won't miss any episodes of the show, and you'll help us grow the show as well. Jessica writes in, Hi, Tony and Jenny. I've written into the show twice before about children ghosts that visited me. One, who I thought was my son, and I got a snack out of the fridge and the other, a little girl ghost who knocked the books off my bookcase. I've had many experiences, and I wanted to tell you guys about an experience that helped me find that the man in my life was being unfaithful. Back when I was a young, hard-headed 18-year-old, my first boyfriend and I decided we wanted to spend the rest of our lives together. Against our parents' wishes, we moved into our own place together and began saving money for the big wedding we wanted. After about six months, the relationship was strained because he and I worked different schedules and barely saw each other. I began to suspect he was being unfaithful and not coming home on time, but I worked an early 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. schedule, while he worked 4 p.m. to midnight schedule, so I was always asleep when he came home. We often joked about how I could never stay awake to see him come home. I was not able to prove that he didn't come home until well after quitting time, and we lived about 15 minutes away from our jobs, but I had my suspicions of him and his carpool buddy. She was always nice to me, but there was never a good vibe when she was around. Instead of leaving like I would now, I was stubborn and decided that I wanted proof before I ended the relationship, so I decided I would sacrifice some sleep and hang out on the couch to wait for him to come home. For the first week, this didn't work out. I'd always wake up in our bedroom, having fallen couch and carried to our bed by him. The first night of the second week, I fell asleep as well, but I began to hear a voice calling my name. At first, it sounded as if it was far away, a faraway part of my dream, and then it got louder and louder until it was a chant. 
I jumped up, startled from my sleep as I simultaneously felt someone whisper my name right in my ear with urgency and shake one of my legs. The way the furniture was arranged, the couch was facing an armchair underneath a window. When I opened my eyes, sitting in the chair was the most beautiful woman I had ever seen. She wore a green silk blouse and cream slacks. Her face was indescribably beautiful. She smiled so warmly at me that any fear that I may have had of her subsided and she turned towards the window. My eyes followed her gaze and when I looked back at the chair, she was gone. I immediately jumped up and ran to the window, just in time to see my boyfriend and his carpool buddy sitting in the car outside. They were giving each other a long kiss goodbye and the cable box read 3.24 a.m. Imagine his face when he came inside and saw that I was awake. He moved out a few days later and even ended up married to the carpool buddy. I'll never forget the beautiful woman and how she looked out for me. This is not the only time I've been warned by supernatural forces about people in my life. Other times I've been even st- it's been even stranger than this. I'll write in about it if you'd be interested. Thank you guys for reading and thank you for this wonderful podcast that helps people like me process our gifts. I like that story. That's interesting. It is. You know, it's it's like one step beyond intuition because mm-hmm. she kind of thought maybe something was going on, but she had that sure. little extra help to stay awake, which we all need. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting that a ghost would do that. Yeah. I, I wonder. You think that's human ghost, non-human ghost, someone who's you know been there in the past? You know, oh, I think definitely as a human ghost. Yeah, definitely a human ghost who's probably. Had something happened to her in a relationship that would cause her to want to help somebody not go through the same pain? Sure. And now she, she's like, I'm not going to let this happen ever again. And she's on a, a mission going from house to house, <laughs> just trying to find this. That's interesting. 855-853-4802 is a phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. If you want more ghost stories, we got them for you. When you're an EPP, that's an extra podcast person, bonus episodes, they go right out to you every single week. And you get access right away in that email to our archive of uh, EPP episodes 23 now out there for you to uh, sit there and binge upon adam writes in from blackpool in the uk hi tony and jen since finding out about the podcast i've become a bit of a binge listener lucky for me i've been off work for two weeks after surgery so i've been able to listen to a lot of episodes anyway enough rambling i've heard several different stories of experiences through life from family and friends I even have a couple of my own, but I'll sh- I shall start with the three short stories that stand out most in my mind currently. My nan and aunt used to live in a small flat block that housed my nan, my auntie, and another lady. My aunt had the back flat, and while she was making a cup of tea for a friend, her friend shrieked when she saw the ghost of an old humpbacked lady behind my aunt. The friend turned pale white, and upon my aunt asking her what was wrong, she stuttered that there was a ghost right behind her. My aunt, being quite the fearless type, simply smiled and remarked, It's only Nellie. She doesn't do any harm. The story freaked me out at the time as I sat in that very flat, but I never saw Nellie myself. I remember another story from the same aunt. She had a female German shepherd called Becker who at the time of this story was only a puppy. My aunt had come down with a terrible case of the flu, so much so she was bedridden. 
While watching TV in bed on what was a cold, stormy night, she called her dog Becker into the bedroom. Becker would only go as far as the door and was crying at something in the room. My aunt suddenly felt the bed sink by her feet and warm up. Apparently it was the ghost of her old dog. I believe it was called Rose. Probably sensing my aunt wasn't well, it wanted to warn her, warm her up. My last one for now relates to my nan in the same flat block. She used to have the front flat on the ground floor, but her bedroom was upstairs along with a shared bathroom. One night, while there was no one else in the building, I must point out the bathroom was upstairs, but at the bottom of a long, freaky corridor. She stepped out of her flat and flicked the light on. After visiting the bathroom, she headed back to her flat, but noticed the light was off. She flicked it back on and headed downstairs. Upon getting to the bottom of the stairs, she flicked the light off and was about to enter her flat. She heard someone say hello from the top of the stairs. She thought nothing of it and replied, hello. No answer. A bit later, she went to get ready for bed and noticed the light was on again. She again said hello, but got no response until she had got back downstairs. Nothing else happened for the rest of the night. I can only assume my nan and aunt were quite used to seeing and hearing things as they never seemed bothered by anything that happened to them. The only assumption I have to the night my nan was hearing things was possibly Nellie trying to offer a helping hand. Otherwise, I'm stumped. Sorry for the length of the last, but it's the finer details which really need to be included for it to make sense if it does. Thanks for reading. Kind regards, Adam. Well, those are three not very malevolent ghosts or two ghosts three stories mm-hmm. ghost of the dog and then nelly and i think it's funny and she's like oh it's just nelly i don't think i could ever get to that point with a ghost be that passive about the ghost no it's become buddies yeah i'm i'm too uptight to do that the only way that that would work is if you didn't know it was a ghost yeah that's true and it happens to adults you know how know. kid like the imaginary friend uh-huh. thing, um, where it's not not that the adult would would think that it's an imaginary friend, but literally think that oh this person I'm you know like a neighbor uh-huh. or something you know I'm running into every day for years on end, and uh, you just you know it's normal interactions maybe not a ton of interactions but just normal stuff you see him coming and going talk a little bit and that's about it, and then all of a sudden one day you're shocked to find out that no one has lived in the house next door for years. I could see that. I could see that happening. Like, I wonder if that happens. Probably. You know? any, any stories of, of that sort of uh, interaction? Now, that'd be that'd be really disturbing. I don't know. How would you feel about it? I mean, what if that happened? What if that happened here? And you found out that one of the neighbors here was... There was no one there. That the people who moved in... Uh, shirtless Andy across the way here... <laughs> Yeah. Who <laughs> uh, moved in, you know, a couple years ago. What if we found... Oh, it's never... No one's ever moved into that house when those other people left. That would just be the weirdest thing ever. <laughs> I think it would be very, very weird, and I would question my sanity for a little bit. Would you want to stay in the neighborhood? Well, yeah. I if mean, it if, wasn't your house? Yeah. If it's not, you know, causing any harm... Sure. I don't really see it being a problem. Okay. I'd be a little weirded out. Yeah. I think I'd want to stay in my house as long as I liked it. But I would have a real hard time, like, I think just looking in the direction of the house, afraid I'm going to see something. It'd be like a mirror. The house would become one large mirror. 
you know, like in the middle of the nightmare where you don't want to look at the mirror. Oh, I see what you're saying. Jimmy, where it's like, I'm just going to avoid looking at this place because out of fear of I'm going to see something. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, if it's not bothering anybody, it's yeah. probably fine. Or morbid curiosity, I'd be always looking at the house. One of the two. <laughs> You'd be glued to the window. Like a You'd be a Garfield cat on your office window. <laughs> I'd always have the shades open as, as they're always closed right now. Uh-huh. So, no. Eight five five eight five three forty eight or two. That's our number. Uh, Annalisa writes in, "Dear Real Ghost Stories Online, I love your show and all you do. Got introduced to the show by my best friend Sierra." whom I might share some of uh, the paranormal stories that we have had together at a later time. First off, I'd like to give some background. When growing up, my parents let me and my siblings decide what to believe in, but the talk of the paranormal was never a subject. That is until one day, my mother and I were flipping through the stations on the television when we turned to a show following paranormal investigators. It was like a light came on and I was automatically attracted to the idea of spirits. I've been interested in the paranormal ever since. My story today, though, was before that day with my mother. My parents were divorced, but my two brothers and I would visit my father almost every weekend. I can't remember my exact age, but I believe it was around four or six. My father, my brothers, and I were in the backyard playing soccer, and I went inside to go to the bathroom. To go to the backyard, you'd have to go through a long hallway connected to the kitchen. Not wanting to miss anything, I was running through the house to get back to playing. I was stopped dead in my tracks by an old man at the end of the hall. The back door was open and I could see my dad and brothers behind the man, but they paid no mind, as if they didn't see him or me. The man was frightening. I'd never seen him before. I just stood still and couldn't move or stop looking at him. And suddenly, he vanished. And I screamed and ran outside to my father in tears. I told him about the man, but he brushed it off as my imagination totally forgot about the incident until my freshman year in high school. We're doing a timeline of our lives as a project, and I needed an old photo of me living with my mother. We were moving at the time and had already packed our photos, so I went to my dad's to ask if he had any. He was looking through his photos, even though he didn't have many. I was looking along with him when my eyes started to water. I was holding a picture of a man, the man I had seen so long ago. The memory and feelings rushed back to me. I told my dad that I saw that man in his old house. He laughed and said, So did a lot of people. But the man, he had been long gone before he even moved into the house. I asked why he lied to me back then, and he said he didn't want to frighten me. Then he told me all of the paranormal things that happened at the house. Apparently the TV would come on in the middle of the night volume the highest it could go even though the TV's buttons were broken off and my dad would take a pen each night turn the volume all the way down and then turn it off my uncle who moved in with my father was hit by it across the room and my grandfather who passed away before any of my experiences was plagued by a dark figure in all his photos while he lived in the house just in case you're wondering the man I saw was not my grandfather Sorry for the long story. Thank you all for listening and all you do. Hopefully, I'll get to write to you again soon. Thank you. Okay, who was he? If you have a picture of him. And was he a picture of him alive or was it a picture of him as a ghost? Yeah. There's more questions for me, so. I would think that they, if they could identify uh, the man, Uh they could get a little history. 
well sure by you know family or just people in general and narrowing it down and what happened to him how'd he die you know some clues as to why he's showing up and was he connected with the dark figure that the grandpa was plagued by you know i don't know or maybe they're just all sensitive and don't realize it yeah and maybe the dark figure was just literally color dark not necessarily dark as in you know malevolent you mean like a shadow person? Yeah. Okay. And then, you know, this kind of the assumption that would go along with that of being, oh, it's, you know, evil or, you know, scary. Right. But just that's how it appears. That would be weird. Could you imagine being photobombed your whole life by a shadow person? <laughs> It'd be kind of awesome. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> like, here's your Disney family picture. Shadow person right there. There's Herb, the shadow person. <laughs> yes, he's in all of our family photos. He loves it. It'd be really interesting. Probably would show up great, like, on a ski trip or something, because of all the white in the uh-huh. background. It'd be really... Yeah, that's definitely Herb. Yeah. I don't know why I picked Herb, but I think that'd be a fun name for a, for a ghost shadow person. That, I like it. Kind of a non... You know, not a mean one, just someone... Just, yeah. just kind of there. He's part there. of the group. Yep. Say hi to Herb. 855-853-4802. That's our phone number to call in to Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. Leanne says, hi, my name's Leanne. I'm from Liverpool in the UK. This is the first time I've submitted a story, of which I have a few, but this one really frightened me. So here it goes. A few years ago, I and my now husband had just uh, got, had our first child. He must have been only a few weeks old and I had moved into my in-law's house. I've stayed there a lot as I and my husband have been together since we were in our teens and their house has been a lo- has a lovely vibe and feel. The only room I couldn't sleep in was their back bedroom and I always had really bad nightmares there. The room was always cold. I always put it down to my empathic sensitivity radar being on the blink says nobody ever noticed anything in there, just me. Luckily, my husband's bedroom was the attic room. One night... I had just got up to my hungry newborn and had brought him to bed to be fed, my husband still snoring away on the edge. I placed my son in the middle of the bed and lay down next to him with my back to the wall. A few moments later, I felt something dig into my back. I automatically thought it was one of the baby's toys that had been left in the bed, so I moved over a little to finish tending to my son. I thought I'd move it in a uh, in a moment as we all know that if you stop feeding a newborn, its screams are enough to wake the dead. Then all of a sudden, it dug into my back again, so I turned over and was greeted to a man lying next to me in the bed. Freaked out, dove over to my husband, who woke up dazed and confused at what had just happened, and me shouting, there's a man in the bed. As a result, I stayed awake for the rest of the night watching TV, but nothing ever happened in that room again. I must have scared whoever it was off. The house backs to the graveyard with just a wall dividing it, so maybe it was just a visitor looking for a comfortable bed for the night. Thanks to the show, it's now part of my nightly routine to fall asleep listening to it. Nice to know I'm not alone in this spooky world. Maybe he just wanted to come see the new baby. Or maybe he was a pervert and liked watching nursing mothers. (laughs) Or he just wanted to cuddle and spoon. Yeah. I don't know. Um, didn't we have like a spooning ghost not that long ago we were talking about on the show or something? We did. Yeah. We did. It was a shadow person, but it was a good shadow person. Okay. He was protective. And a spooner. Uh-huh. <laughs> I suppose it's better than forking. 
Okay. You can use your imagination there. Thanks for that. <laughs> now that's one invasive ghost. Well, at least he didn't come back. The yeah. ghost in bed. Yeah, I you know, even if it is a good ghost, I don't think I want the ghost visiting me in bed. No. In any way, shape, or form. Even if it is just trying to comfort me. Even if it's just an old grandmother saying, Hey, it's okay. You want some warm milk? You know. <laughs> I've never been a warm milk person. Uh uh-uh. uh. Do you ever have warm milk as a kid? No. It's something that's always been... I don't know. I wasn't a big milk drinker as a kid. I don't know how Harp drinks warm milk. She loves it. At she night, does. she likes her warm milk. As a kid, I always had to be like ice cold. That's about it. I drank a ton of milk as a kid, but it was just cold milk. Mm-hmm. And I picked white milk over chocolate milk, too. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm weird like that. I always just liked the regular old milk. I didn't need stuff added to it. Some of the grosser ones were strawberry milk. I remember some of the grocery store song. I remember seeing a purple one, which I'm assuming was grape. Ew. That was pretty gross looking. I've never even heard of that. Yeah. There was like all these weird flavors of milk that were out for a while. You know what the worst milk is? And I know some people love this, but I can't stand it. And I never drink it. Cereal milk. Oh, really? I don't like my cereal. Like, uh, it's okay with the cereal when you're eating it. Yeah. But I'm not one to sit there and then slurp it up at the end if there's anything left. It's just this giant cesspool of it's not whatever was left over in a your bowl. Cesspool. <laughs> sitting there. It gets warm. Some There's crunchiness sometimes in it when you just want to sip. I don't know. We talk about texture things and food and what you know you like. And that's a, that to me is kind of a texture thing. Okay. Because inevitably you got like some weird kind of flake in there. That's some weird kind of flake in there. Yeah. That okay. to me is scary. Wow. <laughs> Just keeping it real. Good to know your milk preferences. There you go. 855-853-4802 is our phone number. You're at Real Ghost Stories Online. Rob writes in, hey guys, I recall a few stories where people talked about those touch lamps with three settings of light while the last turns off. There was a friend of mine named Nick who was sort of a long distance friend. Our dads were good friends before we were even born and his dad was a pilot so they visited often. Every other month or so, they would visit. His dad stayed in a hotel room, but Nick would spend the night over at my mom's place with me. This was a long time ago, and he got me into watching The Twilight Zone and the monster show that was on TNT late night with a cowboy guy. We would stay up late talking about all sorts of stuff after those shows ended because our dads worked in the morning and we didn't have to wake up early. I even had a VCR in my room so I could program it to record Saturday morning cartoons if I slept in. One night, we shared strange stories. He had a sister who died at a young age. He said she never went to school, so it must have been before kindergarten. His mom wasn't the same after it happened. She went from being outgoing to gaining a bunch of weight and seemed sad all the time. Nick's mom wouldn't let go of certain items that reminded her of his sister. Other than the baby items, some Christmas decorations, there was one of those touch lamps she kept in her room. Nick told me the lamp would turn on and off at random times, and his mom said it was his sister trying to say hello to all of them. I had one of those touch lamps in the garage, but that lamp or the wiring in our garage must have been screwed up because you could trigger the touch effect by slapping the wall to the outlet it was plugged into. I got to show Nick the effect. I didn't do it to be rude or discredit his story, and then he asked if it was possible to switch the older the order of how the light gets dim or bright. Normally these lamps will turn on dim, bright, then brightest. 
but he said the lamp they had was able to light up and turn off in random orders. Those lamps require specific light bulbs, but one day someone put a normal bulb in the lamp and it must have short-circuited. They tried the required light bulb and even that had even had someone try to fix it, but the final result made the lamp only turn on with the brightest setting when it was plugged in. Nick mentioned that the lamp would burn up light bulbs within a few days and they stopped using it. Several years later, around the time I and Nick were finishing high school, he brought up the story and said he talked to his dad about it. Nick's dad verified the lamp turned on or off in those random orders, so it was strange. His dad told us more about the house they lived in. It was designed as a duplex, but remodeled to be a house, and it looked ugly, so the rent was cheap. The walls were poorly patched, the front door was on the right side of the house, and the owner tried to cover up all the flaws with wallpaper. His dad mentioned it was why he never thought it was haunted when they lived there, because the place was a dump. The lamp more of remind, uh, was more of a reminder to him that the place screwed up all sorts of electronics. He had things from digital clocks, things that required batteries that would get drained fast, and their phone wouldn't hang up until you unplugged it from the wall. But specifically, his digital alarm clock would go haywire. Nick was too young to remember most of the strange things that occurred there. These things happened well before his sister died, who actually died of a brain tumor, so that didn't trigger any of the events to happen. They had trouble using any television or radio because there was some interference that always scrambled their signal. Other than the problems with their electronics, they would often hear footsteps at night. Mick's parents thought it was the kids running around in the house at night, but when they checked on them, they were fast asleep in bed. If the kids were woken up after being put to bed, they would cry because they were afraid of the dark. His parents never put the thought of what ghosts were in Nick's head, but the times he woke up crying, he would blame his parents for making noise to scare him. His dad told us the doors would close on their own, but they didn't open on their own, so they kept the doors closed most of the time, thinking the person who installed the hinges did it wrong. They only lived there for a few years, and his parents weren't so odd things were a daily problem. It wasn't until after they found a new place when they bothered asking questions or talking about the strange things that happened. Their neighbors avoided them, but he brushed it off, saying that they were likely afraid to be asked to help them move things. Still, after everything was packed up, they thought there must have been something the neighbors were hiding from them, but since nobody was harmed, it didn't seem important. Nick was too young at the time and doesn't remember much about the house, so they never told him about the footsteps or doors closing. Nick's dad thought the place needed repairs instead of reaching other conclusions. He didn't even notice the footsteps until the last year they lived there because his wife told him it wasn't Nick who did it. His dad wasn't bothered by noises and could sleep through just about anything. If he can fly commercial planes, I'm sure he flew he, a few footsteps or doors closing were nothing to him. In that situation, I think whatever was in there didn't do a good job of scaring anyone. The best reaction it got seemed to be that lamp. Still, that only lasted the lifespan of a single light bulb, and Nick is my age, so it happened in the mid to late 80s, when light bulbs were replaced all the time. It was sort of funny that his mom discredited the ghost for messing with the lamp, but his dad said the lamp always did that in the house before his sister died. We concluded it all by saying that it was 
the Ryan Leaf of Ghosts That Haunts the House. Thanks for reading. I wonder how often people try to make a haunting that may be a legitimate haunting, Mm -hmm. but try to associate it with somebody who they cared about as a way to comfort themselves. Probably it's like the first reaction. You think so? I think in a lot of cases. I mean, especially if it can be immediately attributed. Mm-hmm. You know, if you had a, a, a recent death of someone that's close to you, I think the first thing you're going to think is that person. Um, if it's, you know, if it's been like years since a, a death of someone close to you, that's more of a stretch. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, you, you may still go there. I think we would naturally just kind of go there because we want to believe that they're on another side and they're you know they're doing okay and that you know they're there mm-hmm. you know so it, it's it's comforting to know that they are in fact there if we can get some sort of message from them of course then you get the message and you start wondering are you trapped yeah and then it leads to a whole other you know set of worry not just oh, okay they made it right you know it's like oh shit uh, they made it but where did they make it to yeah I just was thinking about using that as a coping mechanism and how many grieving people do that. I'm sure it's very often, Mm -hmm. very often. And the thing is with that, you have to be cognizant, um, you know, like you were saying, a lot of these things were happening before the sister died. Yes. So it more than likely is not the sister. It's probably more than likely something else that was going on there. I mean, that's not to say that, you know, that that couldn't have contributed to it, that she couldn't have come back to, to leave some messages. It would just be really hard to decipher what's hers and what's not mm-hmm. unless she's literally showing herself. Yeah. You know, here I am. You know. So, yeah, I think probably quite common. Okay. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. If you haven't already done so, please press subscribe, whatever platform it is you enjoy listening to us on. That way you won't miss any episodes of the show and you'll help our show grow. Andrew writes in, hello, I'm a rel- relatively new listener from across the pond in Yorkshire, England. Uh, fantastic podcast. I've been interested in the paranormal since I was a teenager, now 40, and disappointingly have never really had a paranormal experience until August of last year. Though it wasn't really me who had the experience, it sent a big shiver down my spine. I'm a general practitioner, a family doctor, and have been working in, Lang- in Lancashire for 12 years, but managed to get a new job as a family doctor on the Yorkshire coast, a beautiful part of England and a much better place for myself, my wife and our three daughters. Abigail, aged 11, six-year-old twins, Megan and Jessica. The move was about 250 miles from our home. Moved over to my new job in May of 2014, traveling back to my wife and children on weekends until we managed to sell our house in Lancashire. In my free time during the week while working in Yorkshire, I completed a list of areas of or compiled a list of areas and houses that would be suitable to buy once our house was sold. In August, we had a firm offer to buy our house, so my wife and children came over for the weekend to Yorkshire to view 12 houses I had narrowed down as being potentially suitable. Obviously, my wife would always have the final say. I must point out at this point that despite my interest in the paranormal, I've never, disappointingly, had a paranormal experience. My wife has no interest or belief in the paranormal, and our children aren't even aware of my interest. After viewing five houses on day one of our marathon house viewing, we were visiting the second of our appointed viewings on the Sunday morning. 
It was a really big house with an attached annex or granny flat. My wife and two daughters were exploring the rest of the house while Megan, the six-year-old twins, and I were exploring the annex. Suddenly, Megan stopped dead in her tracks, looked shocked and looked up and said to me, Daddy, something bad happened here. Megan has always been and still is a clever, sensible girl and has never said anything like this before or since. I've heard that children can detect things that adults can't. I've thought about questioning her further about what she meant or why she said that. But she decided to let it go. I didn't want to make an issue out of it. Maybe I was wrong. What do you think? I've googled the address of the house but drawn a blank as to any nasty murders, suicides being committed there. But I suppose there's always a possibility that the something bad could have either predated the house being built or never been detected or reported. We didn't buy the house, by the way. Love to hear your views. Keep up the fantastic podcast, Andrew. That would be enough for me to skip that house and say, well, we got 11 others that we can pick from. I would not buy a house if my child said that in it. So if we're nope looking for a house okay. at some point in time and the girls are with us mm-hmm. and you really like one. And I really don't, which rarely ever happens. I don't think we've ever really went into that situation. We've but ne- just theoretically saying. We've never been on the same page like that. No. I mean, just, just theoretically saying that that were to happen. And then you tell one of the girls to come tell me something bad happened in the house. That would be a surefire way to get me to not want that house. <laughs> Go tell mommy. I'll give you a, give you a dum-dum. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, they're like two seconds there. They're like, daddy told us to say that. Right. So that really wouldn't work out. But we've never had that issue. So, no. I mean, I don't really anticipate that needing to be a, a tactic. <laughs> no. And, you know, he's right. The You know, you can Google an address and find out things that are on record. But there's tons of horrible things that happen that are off mm-hmm. the record. You know, abuse, things like that, that, that just leaves a horrible energy that yeah. you're never going to find a concrete, you know, account of. A lot of times it needs to be pretty horrific to make the records, Mm -hmm. if you will. Um, You know, even suicides don't oftentimes get recorded um, as far as a public uh, knowledge or in a a newspaper or anything like that. Um, You know, and of course, I mean, abuse and such, unless it's reported to the police, unless charges are brought, Mm -hmm. which in a lot of times are not, um, you know, people can come and go and that horrible energy even if the people lived through the abuse and there was no death involved just that energy right you know can sit there and manifest itself and create things and death doesn't always have to be the end result Mm -hmm. uh for for something bad you know quote unquote to have happened uh, on a property so i'd go with my daughter's gut on that one i would too especially if it's if it's very out of character for her to say something like Mm -hmm. that that would be like Okay, well, next house. Right. <laughs> moving on. It's not worth, and you're going to have that in the back of your mind forever for yeah. the entire time you live there. Yeah, I just, yeah. You, you made a good choice to to move on from that house. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. Let's go to a caller. Hi, it's Whitney again uh, from Toronto. I called about, like, uh, getting messages from my grandpa and... Um, all that craziness. Yeah, it was it was a difficult Christmas because it happened just a week before, and 
um, interestingly enough, I spoke to my aunt who actually said that, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I spoke to my aunt who said that uh, she was at my grandparents' house, um, the two that had passed away, who were actually her parents. And uh, she said there was one time that she was sitting on their bed and she looked to the side and my grandma was sitting next to her and like rubbing her leg and just smiling. And then like two seconds later, she just like vanished or something. And she actually spoke to the caretaker of um, my grandfather. It was um, a couple days after he had passed and she had never actually met my grandmother. And she said that um, she woke up one night and she looked at the end of the bed and she saw my grandfather and who she assumed to be my grandmother. And my grandmother was holding a huge like bouquet of like tons of flowers and she had heard that my grandfather um, used to buy her flowers every week when she was still alive. So she believed that when she saw the two of them together after they'd passed, that when he got to the other side, he got her all the flowers that he would have bought her had she still been alive. Which was, you know, when I heard that, that just killed me once again. But um, I was calling about uh, the show today when... Um, the guy that was told by the medium that he was meant to be a writer. I had a similar experience uh, when I, I went overseas for a job over there. And I went through some um, traumatic experiences and I came back and I, I had very bad health problems. Um, I was very depressed. And I've always been very drawn to psychics. And I found out later because one of them actually told me because I am and I'd always been attracted to just um, spirituality in general. And I found out that I was like a life path number seven, which has another thing to do with spirituality. Um, yeah, it's, it's life path numbers are very interesting. You should look into that as well. So when I came back, I was I was really depressed and, you know, I didn't want to go to a, a therapist and said I wanted to see a psychic. So there was a psychic fair going on and I went with my best friend cause she's into that kind of stuff too. And, um, the psychic I chose was this lady that she looked really cool and I don't know, just something drew me to her. So, um, I signed up with her and she got me to shuffle tarot cards that she had created. I think she said she made them when she was about 20 years old and they were really, really unique looking. And, um, so I shuffle the cards and I, I flip over the first card and it's a pen and a paper. And I had actually went to school for screenwriting, but I'd never thought of writing anything else because I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not good at writing anything else, or I, at least that's what I thought I was. And she's like, you need to write about what went on in Asia. And I'm like, no, I don't want to write about it. And she's like, no, that's what will help you heal. And she, it was about a half an hour reading, and I didn't really think much of it because I went in expecting to hear, like, oh, you're going to find the love of your life or something. Like, I was... I wasn't in the right state of mind, in my opinion. But the one thing that she said to me was that if you don't follow through with this, you're going to always, you're just going to be very, very unhappy. And I was like, okay, whatever, you know, and I, I left and I'd say for a couple of years, I, I went through a really intense depression and it wasn't until a few months ago that I was like, okay, you know what, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to start writing. I'm just going to write and, you know, it doesn't have to make sense. It doesn't have to be grammatically correct. I'm just going to write. So that's what I did. And I right away, I noticed a huge shift in my life. It was like 
night and day. It was like every time I, I spent hours, a certain amount of hours writing a day, I went home and I just felt so much better. The baggage and the pain just went away. Um, so yeah, I just, I thought I'd share that after I'm hearing about the guy that said that the psychic told him or the medium told him that he, his, his, um, his, sorry, I'm like trying to figure out how to say this, how he was meant to write because, um, I find that spiritually sensitive people need a creative outlet. We live inside our minds a lot. We live inside, we're very, um, as much as we may be um, very open, we're very much introverts. And I find that that that's what creates health problems because we hold it in. And writing is what helps your throat chakra and it just helps you release and think, and I mean, when you, when you have problems with your throat chakra, that's what creates a lot of health problems. Any imbalance in your chakras creates problems. Um, yeah, I just thought I'd share that with you. I hope you guys have a great day. Take care. I completely agree that sensitive people need an outlet um, for their creativity because I don't know why, but they happen to just go hand in hand, creative people and sensitive people and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's amazing how therapeutic it can be to find a way to release some of that energy back out. Sure. Otherwise, it builds up. It does. It does. I mean, you really you can feel it, and it kind of makes you go batty, if you will. Yeah. And uh, you know, I I enjoy writing. I don't really do it much. When I was younger, I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, this, this show is kind of my outlet. Yeah. You know, I mean, do you feel that way at all? Is oh, I do very much. But I have to say, some of my favorite things I get to do are when you let me help you write commercials. That's kind of fun. I love that. I can have you do more. If, if, if you want to do more, you're can, more than welcome to do <laughs> As time allows, I yeah. would be happy to help do that. But I do feel like this is a creative outlet. Sure. In some form. Yeah. I mean, I just, you know, it's not that we don't write the stories. We don't make up the stories. Sharing them is fun. I, what I kind of enjoy is being able to express my opinion about them mm-hmm. and just kind of thoughts and, you know, kind of be goofy and have fun and still, you know, be, you know, sane about this stuff and not be like, this is all BS. You know, it's not, you know, that's, you know, it's, it's, you know, these things happen to real people. So I feel like I'm able to have some fun here and help some folks at the same time and have some humor, which I enjoy. I know some people don't like my humor, but I still like them. (laughs) (laughs) Just smile. Yeah, because they can see that. (laughs) Exactly. So, um, yeah, it's very interesting. Um, When we were listening to that comic, Deja Vu, someone just talked about writing the other day and uh-huh. then she's brought up. Yeah, that's what she's talking about. So there you go. Anyhow, thanks for uh, for writing in and uh, sharing or calling in and sharing that story with us here at Real Ghost Stories Online. We uh, really do appreciate that. If you want more ghost stories, you want to binge listen a little bit, become an EPP, get 23 bonus episodes sent directly to you. Uh, and of course, a new one every single week. It's only five bucks a month. That $5 goes to keep our show alive and support it and all the costs that are involved with uh, doing this show and uh, keeping the show online and the bandwidth of you know, all the downloads that we have as it continues to grow uh, leaps and bounds every single month so thank you if you already are an APP if you uh, want to support the show and keep it going uh, please consider becoming one because our costs keep going up so please uh, consider uh, helping us out there sign up at realghoststoriesonline.com until next time for Jenny Bruski I'm Tony Bruski thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online